0: Well, it's great to be with you, and if you've got a Bible, I'd like you to turn to Psalm 103. We're going to read the first 18 verses of that Psalm, so let's read that together now. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and all my inmost being praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbour his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. And as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed, he remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass, they flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. We are in a season, aren't we, where we miss things that we used to be able to do. We miss just being able to go out and being able to go and do normal stuff, being able to go and buy things from the shop without queuing up with two metres between everybody. For quite a while, uh, lots of us miss not being able to buy many toilet rolls and things like that. Um, we miss not being able to walk down the road without people kind of crossing over and looking suspiciously at us. And, but I suspect if we, if we ask most of us what we miss the most, we would say we miss each other. We miss the opportunity to be with each other, to be in each other's homes, to kind of hug each other, we miss connection and this is a a season of great loss and for some of us it is particularly painful but i want to suggest that even in this season of difficulty and loss there are some possibilities and some opportunities for us Um, it's been interesting for us as a family we've been at home uh, with our our four kids so there's six of us in the house and uh some of us, you know, we're people are working and schoolwork and all that kind of stuff's going on. But we're also doing a bunch of stuff together. And sometimes we play, um, we play some games, we play board games. And there's one particular game that I've learned recently called Settlers of Catan. And I know some of you play that game and you're experts. But I've only just learned this game. And um, it, I found this game a bit frustrating to learn, if I'm honest. And my family, if you ask them, would say, and they told me this the other day, that actually when I was learning it, I was quite grumpy and I'd get a bit grumpy during the game. And when they told me that I got a bit grumpy, I felt even more grumpy about the fact they'd told me, but I'm through that now. Um, but one of the things I've learned in this game is sometimes what happens, the game is a bit frustrating because you want to do all this expansion and do these different things and take different kind of land and... Uh, but sometimes what you want to do gets kind of frustrated and your, your options get limited and you get a bit closed in. And I have discovered that sometimes when things get a bit closed in and limited, it really makes you focus on doing one or two things really well. And sometimes when you do that in this game, you can win. Now, I'm really hoping that my family at this moment are not listening to what I'm saying, because basically that's blown my whole strategy if they are. But I've noticed that sometimes when the possibilities get limited and things get a bit simpler, sometimes there are new opportunities. And I think that might be true in life sometimes. And it might be that in this season with all the limitations that there are some opportunities and one of the areas that i think there might be an opportunity for many of us is to learn and think and read and pray and go a bit deeper with god now for some of us that is basically really the the most appropriate set would be to explore we may not be a believer yet or we might we may not even be sure about this whole thing and we're just considering or looking in and And maybe this is a great season for you to explore and do alpha and ask questions. But for others of us, it might be a season where we go deeper with God and we read and we think and we pray and we have more time or spend more time than we might have done previously. And this psalm that we have just read, Psalm 103, is a psalm of amazing truth. It is full of truth all about God. Um, And yet it is also a great psalm that teaches us or has a lot to teach us about how to connect with God, how to come to him. And so what I want to do through the rest of this this message is literally just to pick out three words or three phrases that come up in Psalm 103, which I think are very simple but very powerful words when it comes to helping us learn how to connect with God. And if there is an opportunity in this season to do that more, which I think there may be for some of us, how this psalm can help us do that. And the first word I want to draw to your attention is the word soul. Right at the start of the psalm, the psalmist says, Praise the Lord, O my soul. And all my most beings praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul. And he does it actually at the end of the psalm again. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Now, what's interesting, I think, is often when we think about how to know god and how to connect with god we you know we think about reading our bible and particularly maybe prayer and we think about it being us talking to god and trying to listen to what god might want to say to us and that is totally right just about a week or so ago i woke up very early in the morning i i keep waking up very early in the morning and i was a bit troubled from something the night before or the day before and as I woke up, this doesn't normally happen to me. I felt, I felt God whisper to me, let's go for a walk. So uh, I got up. I was obedient on this occasion. I got up, I grabbed a cup of tea and I wandered around the streets of Catford that morning talking to God, mainly out loud when people weren't there. And then when people did appear, I kind of got a bit quieter. But I, I, I talked and I tried to hear what God was saying to me. But what's interesting for me in this psalm is that's not how the psalmist begins. He begins literally by speaking to himself. He says, Praise the Lord, oh my soul. That word for soul is actually it's really talking about his whole self, his whole body, everything about his emotions, his mind, his heart, his feelings. is speaking to himself. He says, Come on, wake up. I want you. Come on, come on, praise, get ready, let's get going. And I think the reason he does it is because probably because he doesn't feel like praising god he's that's not where he is emotionally he's probably saying it to himself and speaking to himself because actually he's not feeling like that at all and our emotions can be very fickle can't they in terms of how we feel about all sorts of things including god and particularly sometimes god because we're so prone to being independent rather than dependent on him So I can have the experience of one evening being very certain and very passionate but by the next morning wondering where is God? You know, My feelings might have changed completely. And the psalmist seems to be there as well and he speaks to himself. If you know me at all you'll know that I like sport and I used to play a lot of sport. I run a bit now. I'm not a great runner but I do like running and I go out quite a lot. And if you were to say to me, let's say the government changed the restrictions and I wasn't allowed to go running at all in this season, I would really miss it. I'd be really disappointed. That all said, most times that I go running, I actually don't want to go at the start. Most of the times I never want to get out. There's this kind of inertia into me. I I know it's going to be hard. I know it's gonna be a challenge and I have to kind of get myself out. I have to speak to myself. I have to choose to go. And the psalmist begins by speaking to himself about worship He says come on he speaks to his soul to his body and to himself says praise the lord so that's the first thing i want you to see is that he begins by speaking to himself the second thing is i want you to see what he says and it's interesting because he says praise the lord o my soul and all my inmost being praise his holy name praise the lord Oh, my soul and forget not all his benefits that word forget not I want to just talk about the word or the, that phrase I want to talk about the word remembering because the Bible has a lot to say to us about remembering if you know the Exodus story at all you'll know that Moses leads the people of Israel out of slavery out of Egypt and they get out away from Pharaoh and then there's a whole bunch of mess, and they spend years and years in the desert, in the wilderness. But right towards the end of Moses' life, towards the end of his leadership, they are about to cross over into the promised land. Moses doesn't lead them over, but towards the end in Deuteronomy, Moses, if you like, delivers a whole load of kind of a big speech, and he makes a whole load of says a whole bunch of things he wants to say to the people before they enter into the promised land. And one of the things he says in Deuteronomy 8 again and again and again, he goes, when you cross over into the land, remember. Remember how God looked after you in the wilderness. Remember who's given you the land. Remember when you eat there, whose land it is. Remember when you become wealthy, who gave you the ability to make wealth. Remember, Joshua does the same thing. He takes the people over through the Jordan, amazing miracle where the waters part and they cross through and they get to the other side and when they get to the other side God speaks to Joshua and says pick 12 men to go back into the river and to pick up a stone each. Now I would have liked to been there once they actually got all the way through and everyone was relieved to get through where Joshua goes you 12 I need you to go back in. That would have been an interesting sell I think at that moment but they go back in they get 12 stones and they come and they They put them down and they begin to build an altar, effectively a memorial. And he says, we're going to build this so that we remember when our kids ask us what it's about, we can tell them what happened so that we don't forget and they don't forget. You see the same thing through the New Testament. Paul recounts in 1 Corinthians 11 how Jesus... Talks about the Last Supper, and he keeps saying to his disciples, these people who he'd been with for three years, he says to them again and again, Eat this and drink this so that you will remember me. Now, why does the Bible keep teaching us to remember? Why does the psalmist says Forget not all his benefits? Well, I want to suggest to you the reason the psalmist does it, and that you see it throughout other parts of the Bible, is because we are prone. To forgetting, not prone to forgetting necessarily that God is there in some ways real in some way, but forgetting that He is here and present and active and wants to speak, we just easily forget. Now we we forget stuff in our lives all the time, don't we? I was I remembered a story about myself that I'm not particularly proud of, but uh, when our kids were very little and our third uh, child was born, Joel, I took him. He was just a newborn, a few days old, and I took him off to Sainsbury's and I had to go and get some shopping. So I did some shopping, did all that stuff, and I came back to our house. I unpacked all the shopping, thought I'd done a great job, came in, made a cup of tea, sat down. And then Sarah looked at me a little later on, goes, and she goes, where's Joel? I was like, oh, yes, OK. And I <laughs> nipped back out to the car, grabbed him. It had only been a few hours, so it was fine. No, it hadn't been a few hours. It was a few minutes. That's still not great, I know. But he, he was fine, and I don't think he's emotionally scarred about it. At least not last time I asked him. But, and I brought him in, and I'd just forgotten. I'd forgotten we'd got another one, and he was in the car asleep. We forget. And we are prone, seemingly, to forget that God is here and with us. I had a great message once preached uh, by an American preacher on this who talked about the dynamic that happens that sometimes we we forget what we should remember that God is real and present and active but we remember the things we should forget we remember where we've failed or Where we've let god down and we've hurt other people and we remember it so vividly sometimes that we start to pick up again the sin and the shame and the sense of guilt about those things that actually have been dealt with by jesus at the cross and we start to pick them up and that is why the act of remembering the discipline of remembering what god has done is so powerful and helpful because it helps us deal with all those things here the psalmist begins to remember and he starts to name, doesn't he, all the benefits. That's what he says. Forget not all the benefits. He goes, he forgives all our sins and heals our diseases. He redeems our life from the pit and crowns us with good things. He satisfies our desires and so that our youth is renewed like eagles. And he just keeps going on and on and on. That, that word for forgiveness that he uses is... is is even more powerful than at first it looks because it's, it's kind of the word used for like a royal pardon, like where a king would pardon a subject. So he's saying that someone of authority has pardoned me. So when later on in the Psalm, he says, as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed his transgress- my transgressions from me, he's saying it's like a king has pardoned me and literally exiled my sin banished it i should have been exiled but my sin has been exiled so that i never have to see it again it can't ever come back again and as he names it and starts to remember the truth of what has happened in his life what god has done for him starts to come fully into focus if you like his emotions catch up with the truth of what he is saying and that's why the act of remembering is so powerful That's the second word I want you to see in this psalm, when we think about how to connect and how to come to God. But the third one I want you to pick out is this. I want you to see that as he remembers, as he starts to name what he describes as benefits, that increasingly his attention is drawn, not just to the benefit, but behind the benefit, there is a benefactor. There is someone who's bestowing healing and forgiveness. I don't know if you ever uh catch planes i guess none of us are catching planes these days but hopefully one day we will again but typically whenever i've been to an airport there's always a bookshop and often on the shelves of those bookshops particularly i think in airports you will find what effectively are called self-help books you'll find books which are basically about how to fix our own lives you know how to make a million pounds in a week how to how to lose three stone but gain muscle and how to do a whole bunch of impossible things and some of these books some of them have some merit and it's because some of them are built on the premise that we need to take responsibility which is right and in fact the psalm begins doesn't it with the psalmist taking responsibility for himself and choosing to do the right thing by speaking to himself about truth but the psalm doesn't end there the psalm begins with him talking about himself but the psalmist doesn't end with himself the psalm is all about someone else not about him but he begins at that point and if we don't realize that what we can boil a psalm like this down to is it's a bit like a self-help talk that you know cheer up mate it's like a change of perspective just things aren't so bad worst things happen at sea those kind of sayings that people throw around i'm never quite sure what the worst things are that happen at sea but you know those kind of sayings, you know cheer up get a different perspective on your life it's not so bad that's not what this psalm is because the psalmist isn't needing a new perspective he needs to realize that he is in a new position because he keeps naming benefits and realizing behind the benefits is a benefactor behind the healing is a healer behind the forgiveness is a king who's pardoning him and but the king is revealing himself as a father so it says I think in verse 13 as a father has you know compassion on his children so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him now I know when we talk about God as a father for some of us it's a difficult and challenging subject because of our own history with our with our own earthly fathers I'm fortunate that I had a, I've, I've got a great dad, but I know for some of us, we haven't always been so fortunate uh, with that. But I want you to see how God reveals himself as a father, as a father has compassion on his children. So the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. That word for fear written in the psalm, it means something slightly different to what we think of as fear. He's not talking about something to be terrified of. He's talking about where, fear where we treat someone with awe and reverence where we have chosen to put someone first in our lives and that's how you become a christian you become a christian by putting god first in your life in in the book of john john chapter one it says for those who believe in those who receive him he gives the right to be children of god so god is revealing himself as a father and the psalmist says he names these benefits is realizing he's a child and I want you to see that throughout the psalm there are two words that keep coming up again and again the word love and the word compassion and they are both very powerful words the word for love refers really to a sort of steadfast strong unrelenting love that is not conditional on our behavior and that word for compassion is like a deeply emotional word it, It comes up in other parts of the bible often actually referring to like a mother with a newborn child who she is feeding and so god is presenting himself as a father who is loving and compassionate totally committed fiercely defensive of you absolutely emotionally connected and invested and the psalmist goes on as he's listing these benefits as he's reminding himself he says that god knows he remembers how we are made, how we're formed. It's interesting to me that the psalm begins by the psalmist remembering. But what we realise here is that God remembers or he, he names God as knowing us. That's how he talks about God knows. He says, God knows that we're dust. God knows that we're like grass, that, you know, that like flowers in the field that the wind blows over and then its place is remembered no more. In other words, God knows how vulnerable we are and how fragile we are, how broken we are you see it's one thing i think to 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 love someone or to be loved by someone when they don't really know you they don't necessarily know all your kind of hidden shameful stuff Your the things that you just don't want to tell people they like you or that they seem to love you but they don't really know you it's a completely different kind of love when someone knows all that stuff about you knows your brokenness knows that you're like dust knows that you're like grass knows that you are fragile and vulnerable and prone to making mistakes and feeling scared and knows all those things about you and yet he still loves you and that is what's happening in psalm 103 the psalmist says realize i have a father who loves me despite all my stuff he loves he knows me fully and he loves me fully and the psalm says right towards the end and this is kind of where we're going to close it talks about this love is from everlasting to everlasting in other words he's going to remember us forever beyond the grave he will remember us that it's not temporary it's not somehow conditional to something about our life it will go on forever. If you know the story of Jesus' crucifixion, you'll know that on the, you know, there were three crosses and on one of the crosses is a, is a man who turns to Jesus and he says these words, he says, Jesus, remember me, remember me. And Jesus says, I will remember you. This day we'll be together, I'll remember you. And the psalmist is saying from everlasting to everlasting the Lord's love is with those who fear him who have put him first that his love is not going to come up short it's not going to end it's not going to be temporary it's going to go on forever and my soul needs to know that and your soul needs to know that and I want to encourage you in this season to connect with God and to and to go deeper and for some of us who are just investigating faith i want to encourage you to do that and for others of us who maybe have already made that step i want to encourage you to go deeper to if you like speak to ourselves at times and remind ourselves remember all his benefits and know that behind every benefit is a father who is completely committed and completely compassionate and is not going to let go of us let's pray together Father, I thank you that we can come to you. I thank you that you, you know us and you want us to know you. You want us to connect with you. You want us to, to live our lives with you. And I want to pray for anybody today who just needs to know that you're present and with them and for them, that they would know that deep in their hearts right now. And I want to pray, Lord Jesus, that you would lead us through this season and that we might know you more, and that we might go deeper with you, and you might work in our hearts and in our lives. We ask these things in your name. Amen.